This is the Oswego Alumni Podcast with your host, Carl Neff. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Oswego Alumni Podcast, presented by the Oswego Alumni Association and WNYO. I'm your host, Carl Neff, and every month we bring on different alumni from various fields and degrees to talk with us about their time at Oswego and their lives after graduation. Just a reminder that the views and opinions on the podcast are of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Oswego Alumni Association, SUNY Oswego, or any of its officials. This month, we invite on an alumnus who has his own experience in the podcast world. Peter Melnick, class of 2013, is the host and social media manager for The Marvelous Podcast. This is a show he created with his co-host, Eddie Wilson, where they discussed all movies, comics, and memorabilia from the Marvel Universe. He has produced almost 200 episodes and has interviewed famous guests such as Roy Thomas and, most notably, Mark Ruffalo. I'm excited to have you on, Peter, and I'm even more excited to hear about your podcast and how you managed to snag an interview with the Hulk. But first, let's get to know you a little bit better and hear about your time at Oswego. Where are you from originally? I am from Sullivan County in... uh the Fallsburg area. I normally say it's upstate New York, but I've had conversations with friends. Like we're an hour and a half north of New York City, right? So my friend John Stahl, who's also an Oswego alumnus, we, you know, I say, yeah, from upstate New York, and he just looks at me because he's from the uh, Johnstown area, currently currently residing in Rochester. But just the look on his face when I say, yeah, I'm from upstate New York, and he's just like, no, you're not. So. That's me. I'm from quote unquote upstate New York, but it's more, you know, whatever. I'm I'm north of New York City. That's about it. What did you end up studying while you were at Oswego? So before I got to Oswego, I ended up going for, uh, I was in Sullivan County Community College, went for graphic design there, spent an extra year there after I uh, graduated for communications. Then I arrived in Oswego in fall of 2010, which is 11 years ago now, almost 11, and that makes me feel old. With that, I ended up going back for graphic design because I loved it. And it was, you know, one of my favorite things to be able to do there, get some stuff done. And then in my second year at Oswego, um, I want to say around 2011, I was taking classes with uh, Lee Wilson, like uh, living writers, and just some really cool stuff. Like people talk to Chip Kidd, who I would actually mention you know got to interview during uh this podcast you know the marvelists uh which we'll be getting into quite a bit but uh you know also mark haskell smith i believe he used to write for star trek and stuff like that and it made me realize i love writing i love the whole idea of being able to to create in not just a visual form but the written word and with that uh, i ended up adding on creative writing as a minor and I ended up falling in love with that more so than my actual major of graphic design and taking classes with Brad Corbusmeyer, who that man is the G-O-A-T. He is the GOAT. He is one of my all-time favorite professors I've ever had. And I was very, very fortunate to be able to have him during my time there. And yeah, I like had a heavy focus on playwriting. Never really got to do much with the playwriting in the creative writing aspect you know, post, but I learned oh so much through that. Another question that I like asking a lot of people on the show is, what drew you to Oswego in the first place? Honestly, I loved the idea of what the campus promised and did promise and deliver on. And it was, you know, 
just the the overall education, the quality of it, and every program I was in, whether it be the graphic design communicate or graphic design department in Oswego or the creative writing element in Oswego, I learned from some damn fine teachers. You know, Devin Kerr with the web design that I was taking in, you know, there, Cynthia Claybo, who if you've ever had her as a graphic design professor, she is hard as nails, but damn does she do a good job making you like put in the extra work and bust your hump to be able to do what you want to do. You know, like going into the field of graphic design, like after college, it's rough. It's very rough. But I feel like the blow was lessened for me by having a professor like Cynthia. Because she she teaches you what the real world is like. And it's it's not going to always be, you know, sunshine and roses and all that. Like you have to realize there will be quote-unquote failures. There will be quote-unquote hardships and struggles. But you got to learn how to be able to pick yourself up and just keep moving forward. Another question that gets asked on this show a lot is, what were you involved in while you are out of Swigo? Oh, boy. <laughs> so this is the level of absolute dork I am. But I was the... So I was a member of it, and then the president left, and I was the only one given the ability to do it. I was the president briefly for a semester of the SUNY Oswego Pro Wrestling Club. And we would be the ones that would partake in like showing uh, the wrestling pay-per-views. Like every single time like a WrestleMania would happen or uh, not SummerSlam because that was an August event. But like the, the Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, stuff like that. And I remember being a part of that and the former president that preceded me, Kevin Graham, formerly of uh, Squared Circle Wrestling, we would, you know, just hold the events and stuff like that. And I, I could only do it for one semester because it was honestly one of the, again, toughest things because you have to manage so much. You have to manage funds. You have to do this. You have to do that. But I'm a big pro wrestling fan, and that ties in with my graphic design work as well. Again, with the podcasting, like pro wrestling is one of those things. It's a really cool art form. There is something just very awesome about it and like I've done graphic design work for a number of professional wrestlers and one of my favorite things that I get to say I got to design a t-shirt for the wrestler Kevin Steen who if you're a WWE fan you know who he is because he's KO Kevin Owens I got to design a t-shirt for him and this was I want to say three or four years before he signed with WWE and before he became one of their top champions, the, uh, I think, second or third universal champion, which that's pretty cool to say. Now, some alumni know Oswego's dorms as old campus versus new campus. But since you're in 2013, I guess you could say you know more as West Side, uh, Lakeside, and I guess you could say East Side, too. What side of campus did you live on? Uh, I was so I'm not really sure in terms of direction, but I lived in Moreland. And I remember when I got in, I was a transfer kid. And I loved living in Moreland because, one, it was super affordable in the sense of they gave you your own refrigerator. And let me tell you that, you know, living on your own, like for the first time, really going off doing your own thing and not having to worry about expenditures like that, that was great. And I always, again, I used to be a big kid. I used to weigh at my height when I was in Oswego about 330, 345-ish, something like that. Yeah, now I'm down. Yeah, I discovered keto and stuff like that. So now I'm down to the uh, early 200s, which is great. But um, when I was living there, like, let me tell you, I loved, uh, 
I think not Lakeside because Lakeside is uh, that's the one that would have late night, right? Yes, Lakeside Dining had late night, but I think you're thinking of Mac and Dining Hall. I would uh, the one I loved more though was Mackin because of the fact of the uh, the food and whatnot they would have there like the uh, burgers and stuff. Oh my gosh, yeah, all that good food, uh, burgers, fried food, and I know kids would walk all the way across campus to do it like I did living on West Side. I was in Seneca Hall. I made sure if I ever ate at Mackin, I would I would walk so I could burn off all those calories I just ate. But now, Peter, what's cool about interviewing people on this podcast is we get to learn how Oswego impacted their careers. So. How did Oswego impact your career? Like I said, I learned a lot of how to conduct yourself professionally and how to maintain, you know, those relationships and whatnot. I would say it helped out majorly for myself. You know, the idea of being able to express yourself in a professional manner. And again, when I was in Oswego as a part of the graphic design uh, side of things, over in what's it, what was the uh, place called the uh, arts Tyler Hall, yeah, just being able to be there and do things like the the uh, yearly art show, be a part of that. There's just something about how you present yourself that will define you for the rest of your life in a lot of ways. And you know, ironically, I'm saying that as a 32 year old man, but it's like. That element, you know, how you do that then, because those are the defining years for you as a person, as, you know, you're starting to grow into yourself. And I would say, again, just how to conduct yourself professionally and how to just do your own thing. And, like, honestly, one of, the funniest thing is I remember um, just a little sidetrack thing. I think it was my second year, and we had to do a, like, presentation, like, I remember trying to do it like a talk show, which I was like beyond scared. Like I was sweating bullets, just super nervous. And, you know, you, again, you fast forward all these years later, I'm sitting in Sea Caucus, New Jersey, hosting a panel with uh, the co-creator of Deadpool. And I'm just like, oh, well, didn't think that would be happening after, you know, that sweaty mess over there was like, uh, uh, hi, Chris. <laughs> like, you, you know, you just got to like, get out of that comfort zone and just say screw it and just go forward. And I would say, like, you know, how to conduct yourself professionally is one of the major building blocks of my time in Oswego. And then we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about Peter's career as well as some fun stories, including when he got to interview Mark Ruffalo. Uh, That's right, Hulk from the Avengers. He got to interview him. So stay tuned. It's the Oswego Alumni Podcast with my guest Peter Melnick here. We'll be right back. The Oswego Alumni Podcast is brought to you by WNYO and the Oswego Alumni Association. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your healthcare provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. 
and we are back here on the Oswego Alumni Podcast, and I am joined today with Peter Melnick, class of 2013, and he's the host of the Marvelous Podcast. Now, Peter, in the second half of the show, we like getting right into why you're here, uh, but, you know, let's talk about your life after graduation. What was your career like leading up to creating the Marvelous Podcast? So that's a long, strange trip, and I would say... First off, back in high school, um, like I was a nervous, shy kid, a massive introvert, and yet you put me one-on-one in a conversation with somebody, and I will not shut up, as based on some of the previous answers from today's podcast. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's moments like it came from that, then going into college and being in Oswego, and one of the things I used to do... I never went out and partied or did anything. I was always by myself, you know, hanging out with either my roommate or my best friend, just sitting in my dorm and just, you know, playing video games. Like, this this was uh, the early 2010s, and I was still playing, like, Rock Band and Guitar Hero. So I was, I was, that, I was that wallflower. But one of the things was I would listen to a lot of podcasts, and I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith is like one of my personal heroes. He's also why I went with creative writing as a minor when I was in Oswego because how he would create characters and you know have them sound like real people. And like sometimes you know you'll see like one of Kevin's movies and they're very verbose and you're just like oh honey that is not how somebody talks in the real world. Like really like you'll you'll see you know something. But then there's moments like uh Clerks 2 or Zack and Mary where the dialogue is very natural and seems real, you know? But with that, I used to listen to a lot of his podcasts, and one of the big ones was Hollywood Babylon with him and uh, formerly of K-Rock in California, Ralph Garman, you know? I would listen to a lot of that stuff, and at this point, I was rooming with my best friend, always listening to that show. And we're talking. I said, dude, let's do a podcast. Why not? You know, we can we have a nice dynamic. We can do it. And it never got to happen. You know, my idea of doing a podcast was literally just us sitting in front of our uh, computer's microphone, which, God, the audio quality of that would have been unbearable. And and so we're, you know, figuring this out like we're going to do this. Nothing gets to happen. Fast forward about 2013, I graduate and I'm talking to a friend of mine who his, his family owns a local radio station or owned at the time. And he was doing a, he was doing radio and he was doing a, a sideshow, like a podcast. And it was like, he used to intern for Howard Stern back in the day. He was like on the Howard Stern uh, intern shows on Sirius XM and all that stuff. And I remember he was looking for somebody to do design work. So I came on board, did that. And then somehow I ended up as the producer of this podcast called The Berman Show. And I was responsible for booking guests like Jimmy McMillan, who, if you remember in the early 2010s, was the rent is too damn high guy. We booked him for an interview. And let me tell you, it was a beautiful train wreck because Jimmy doesn't hear what's going on on our end, but he was going on like a long, lofty, like, I will do this for the people, I will do this. As Alan in the background is playing uh, patriotic music, like just really hamming it up and making fun of him. But again, it was a show that was trying to be like a Howard Stern. But this was the time, you know, I'm working there as well, doing, you know, volu- essentially volunteering, which 
long sorted state of affairs with that. But I was booking guests like uh, Andrew WK, you know, the uh, musician from the two thousand, uh, the two thousands. Like he was responsible for Party Hard and having a bloody nose all the time. I also booked a lot of pro wrestling guests. Like that was, you know, my corner of uh, the pop culture spectrum. Like I, I'm friends with a lot of people in pro wrestling. So to be able to, you know, utilize those connections and say, hey, if you want to do a podcast, they will usually come on. So like people like uh, Austin Aries, the Blue Meanie, people like that. And then we go from there and I leave that after a few months. And around this time, a friend of mine who was also one other thing, I was on Kevin Smith's Comic Book Men. And if you want to see me at my biggest, uh, look for season three, the episode Pinheads. I'm the guy that sells the really inappropriate Punisher action figure. And it's, you know a whole thing but a friend of a friend was doing you know he wanted to get into podcasting himself so we became friends did our own thing we had a podcast for a number of years called audibly exquisite which the name doesn't make much sense considering it was just a general geek culture show you'd think it's like you know a show about culinary stuff you know having to do with ears i guess i don't know but we tried our own thing with that and during that time Leading, rewinding back to me doing stuff, producing, and being a uh, a talent wrangler. One of the people that I met at that radio station was a guy by the name of Eddie Wilson, and Eddie is a radio professional. He's been he's been doing radio since the 1980s, you know, college radio, and then in the early 90s, he like really started to you know build up momentum as a broadcast professional, and. He, you know, he's the morning DJ on v- 95.9 VOS FM because Eddie, if you are listening, I know, you know, you don't want me to get the name wrong, but there's just something about talking to this guy because I saw him right before we started recording the Berman show and he's wearing a comic book t-shirt and it was like a DC one. And I look at him and I'm like, he's either a fan of, you know, just like comic book t-shirts or something, or he's a real fan. And I don't mean real fan in the sense of, you know, the gatekeeping, like, oh, you're not a real fan, name 15 characters. Like, no, I, I don't care about that. But I was just like, I have a feeling he's a comic book collector. So I go, I like your shirt. He goes, oh, thank you. You collect comics? Yeah, I do. And he, <laughs> and it's like that, if you've ever met Eddie, there's, when you say, do you collect comics? He'll have a little bit of like a, Oh boy, how much time do we have here? <laughs> but it's like that kind of, you know, reaction because I've been to his house on many an occasion and yes, the comic collection is massive. It is literally his entire basement and he has a big basement. So going in there, I lovingly call it Marvel Manor because if if uh New York City's Marvel offices is the house of ideas, this is at least the condo on the side, but one of the things about that, you know, we're sitting talking, I walk away. We keep in touch over the years, and when I was working on Audibly Exquisite, I said, hey, man, would you want to come on and guest on the show? He says, yeah, why not? So we partnered together, did our own thing. You know, he would guest every once in a while. And then 2018 rolls around. This is around January. I'm texting Eddie, and I just go, hey, I got a question for you. They're coming out with Infinity War real soon. I want to do like a separate podcast because we've discussed this for years because a mini rewind. I also tried to be like a bootleg Mark Marin in the sense of doing my own show where I would talk to guests. I interviewed a former professor of mine at SUNY Sullivan. I interviewed a friend's band and I interviewed Eddie. And following the interview, you know, I said to him, dude, we 
we need to get you to do a Marvel podcast, like something. I don't know what it could be, but let's figure something out. He goes, yeah, that'd be fun. And Eddie paid no mind to that after. And then, again, fast forward uh, three years, I want to say. Eddie, Eddie Bubbola, you want to do a Marvel podcast? We could do it as a uh, Infinity War rewatch because everyone was like getting hyped for Infinity War. And people were doing like, you know, movie marathons, like, hey, each week I'm going to watch a movie. And I'm like, we should do that. We could do that. Why not? You know, we have opinions. We're funny. Why not? So, and I realize humor is subjective. But, you know, we are talking and I suggest the idea. And I go, we could call ourselves The Marvelous Podcast. Eddie didn't hear me that well because my service at home is beyond terrible. He goes, The Marvelists? I'm like, good enough. So... (laughs) That's the one benefit, by the way, of having terrible cell phone reception. You can end up getting a brand name out of it. And just like all those comics, I guess you guys now have your own origin story. So what happened next? Did you guys jump right into the first episode or did it take a little bit while to get it going? What ended up happening was we said, screw it, let's do this. So we do the show. A couple weeks in, we end up contacting uh, different cons and that was one of the things I learned through doing Audibly Exquisite was contacting conventions. Hey, we'd like to do press at your show. We do this, this, this. Awesome. Approve for press. Show up at the convention. Do our thing. And one of the uh, cons we did was we did uh, Albany Comic Con, conveniently located in Albany. You know, it'd be it'd be weird if it was at any other place. But we do Albany Comic Con and Jim Starlin's there. And Jim Starlin is the creator of Thanos. He's also the co-creator of Shang-Chi, who is going to be a big deal in the Marvel Universe within the next two years. And, you know, we're just, we said, hey, would you want to do an interview with us? Sit down, do an interview with him. We also did a con at, uh, in Secaucus, New Jersey, East Coast Comic Con, and Roy Thomas was there. And Roy Thomas is, you know, the co-creator of... A character, if you have Disney Plus nowadays, you might know a character by the name of The Vision, but he's also responsible for a lot of other characters. And during the interview, he brought up that he was going to be making a cameo in Daredevil Season 3 on Netflix. Cool. Pay no mind, whatever. So we record our Infinity War episode, and we tack on, at the end, those two interviews. I went with the Starlin interview, of course, because, well, that's Thanos' movie. And I also included... A, the interview with Roy Thomas because spoilers if you haven't seen the movie it's been out for three years but whatever Vision dies in that movie it turns out he really does not have an indestructible head WandaVision reference yeah but um, I wanted to throw that interview in as well so after that happens I ended up sending off to different websites the interview saying hey we had Roy Thomas on and Roy mentions that this is his first time ever making a cameo in a Marvel project Maybe it might interest you. So a couple of weeks later, we drop that episode. The episode goes live. And I send out those uh, feeler emails for all the different websites. We ended up on sci-fi.com's uh, sci-fi newswire, a bunch of other websites, including one in Italian, which is like mind-blowing. We go off and do those episodes. And we realize we're trying to build this as a show. And we're paying a monthly fee you know, to upload the show onto SoundCloud, our hosting. And I'm realizing if we're going to be a podcast where we talk about the movies and just the movies, we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot with the concept of new content. Because there are podcasts out there where they just talk about the movies, they do their movie review, and then they wait until the next movie comes out. As of right now in these COVID times, 
Could you imagine how much of a dumb idea that would be? Like the last mo- the last episode they came out with was in uh, I want to say July of 2018. These random podcasts, and that would be the Spider-Man Far From Home episode. And they're gunning for all right, 20 no, it was 2019, 2019, and like they're thinking, oh man, I can't wait for our next episode in May 2020 when we do Black Widow narrator. Guess what happened? So there's that issue of you got to have more and more content. So when we were doing that, the show the show technically would have ended with Infinity War, and then there would have been a lull for a few months. Then we do Ant Man and the Wasp then another lull, and then we end up doing, uh, what's it called? Um, Endgame. And then another lull, and then we do Spider-Man Far From Home, and again, it does not make it worth our time. So I thought to myself, why not just do episodes where we talk about other Marvel movies? So like we devoted an entire month to the uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, and I'm like, let's do it. Cool. We'll go from there. And then, you know, of course, we want to show our roots in comics. I'm friends with Marvel writer Chip Zdarsky, and I messaged him on Twitter one day. I'm like, hey, dude, would you want to do our podcast? And he's like, yeah, why not? So we're talking about his Spider-Man run. And one of my favorite parts of that interview, by the way, is he's talking to us as he's working on a Spider-Man book. And that Spider-Man book is the one that won him an Eisner, uh, I think multiple Eisner Awards. And Eisner Awards in the comic community are the comic book equivalent of the Oscars. So that'd be like talking to the director of Parasite as he's working on Parasite. You know, and it's like, this is this is happening right now. <laughs> this is happening right now. Holy cow. Now, this leads us to the part that we're all super excited for is when you finally met Mark Ruffalo. Uh, can you get into that story for us? I was working at a local newspaper as a graphic designer, you know, layout artist and everything, went on my lunch break, and I go up to the front counter at the coffee shop, and I look to my right, and I see the Hulk. And I'm not talking about, like, you know, like a toy or, like, you know, a poster. Mark Ruffalo is standing right next to me, and I look at him, and I do like that, uh (laughs) uh-oh, I look at him and I go, I got to tell you, by the way, I'm a big fan and I love your work as I do like a little uh, Hulk Hogan bicep flex, like the the curl thing. And I go, Rawr. and like back in my mind, like a few minutes later, I'm like, you really just went raw to Mark Ruffalo. Like you just did that. And I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and we're talking for a bit and I go. You follow my old podcast on Twitter, Audibly Exquisite. And he did, because there was one day he's like, it's seven o'clock in the morning. And I tweet to him, I'm like, hey, man, you live in the area. We live in the area because Mark Ruffalo lives in Sullivan County. And I've read interviews with him down the line where he remembers every fan he's ever met and, you know, all these interactions. And when he goes, oh, yeah, I know you guys. And I know he's not full of it because he really does remember everything. So I say to him, like, I was wondering, I do a Marvel podcast now, and I start to see his soul leave a little bit from his body when I say the word Marvel. And, and you know, I'm just like, I really don't want to be a fanboy, but I was wondering, could you maybe record an intro for us, please? And he's like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, this is weird, because I had met him the summer prior at a Blondie concert, of all things. And I walk up to him, I sidle on by, pull my phone out, get ready for a front flip cam, and I'm like hi, can I please get a picture with you? And he's like, sorry, I can't. And then he puts his hand out and goes, I'm Mark, by the way. And I'm like, looking at him, I'm like, 
I'm fully aware of this. <laughs> I don't walk up to random strangers asking if I can get a picture with them. Maybe I should. <laughs> you know, in a post-COVID world, I'll consider that. But at that moment, I'm just like, okay. Hi, nice to meet you. So, I, you know, whatever. Fast forward again back to that, you know, time running into him at the coffee shop. And I go, yeah, you know, if you could do an intro for us. He's like, yeah, no problem. He starts patting his leg looking for his wallet. And he goes, oh, I got to pay for this. I'll be right back. I go, Mark, I'll pay for that. He's like, no, it's fine. And I'm like, no, really, I'll pay for it. He goes, well, I am doing an intro for you. Yeah, sure. So he goes and sits down. Because I offer to pay, by the way, not just because to be nice, but also like if he walks out of here, I don't know if he'll come back. <laughs> you know, there's like that small part. I'm like, Gra- grab the brass ring right now. So he sits down and I get the intro from him. And I paid for Mark Ruffalo's bread pudding and iced tea. And guess I this is the really sad part to admit. I do still have the receipt. But again, I digress. <laughs> um, what ends up happening is we sit down, we talk for a few minutes, and I'm on my lunch break. And at my old job, our lunch break was only half an hour long. So this was like one of those, I can't dawdle, I can't do anything. He goes, let's podcast right now. I'm like, I can't do that. I'm at work. He goes, oh, no worries. Get that bread. He literally says, get that bread. And I'm like, I like this guy. So, you know, we're talking and I say, we'd love to have you on the podcast. How about this? I'll give you my phone number because back in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to get the Hulk's phone number right now. He goes, oh, all right. Let me give you my assistant's email. And I'm like, eh, close enough. So I get his assistant's email, contact him. I said, Mark wants to do our podcast. We'd love to set something up. I then speak to uh, his assistant, and we're going to do it at the radio station. But it's a little ways away from Mark. So he goes, how about someplace else? I talk to the owner of the coffee shop, and I say, Eva, can we possibly record here? She's like, yeah, no problem. You know, like do like after hours, like, you know, half an hour or something. Yeah, that's fine. So we set up a day. We set up a time. We're going to do it at the coffee shop. During all of this, Mark is under the impression that the interview is going to be taking place during coffee shop hours, which is a really weird thing to think (laughs) because it's like you don't need that background noise. It's again, with that level of professionalism, you don't want that. You just want, you know, plain audio, whatever works, get your message across. So we set it up and then we get an email. And this is the day I have all of my equipment in my book bag. I have... I have my copy of Thor Ragnarok on Blu-ray to get signed. Uh, And then I get the email and it says, we're going to have to postpone the interview. And I am heartbroken. They say, we're going to, we'll switch it to a phone interview. I'm so pissy at this point. I'm like a petulant child. And I'm just like, really? A phone interview? I want the photo ops. (laughs) Because I'm that kind of person too. Meanwhile, back in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, There are Marvel podcasts out there. There are comic book podcasts that will never even get a phone interview with one of these guys. And you're being upset about that? Come on. So a few weeks pass by. We're still figuring out when it's going to happen. Like the assistant hasn't given us word. Nothing. Like I go to work one day, go to the coffee shop again, my usual spot. And I go to the front of the line. I look to my left And this time he's not on my right. He's on my left, sitting in a chair, reading on his iPad. And I'm like, oh, it's Mark. That's cool. Back on my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I hope the Hulk dies in the next X or Marvel movie. (laughs) Just that little small level of petty that I am. (laughs) So I see him there. He doesn't see me. Some fan walks up, goes, I love your work, man. Shakes his hand. Mark looks up. 
turns his head ever so slightly, sees me, and he goes, oh, hey, man. I go, hey, dude, how are you? I hope the Hulk doesn't die. <laughs> and, you know, whatever. Um, he goes, hey, man, nice seeing you. Sorry about before. I'm like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. He goes, also because it was going to be during uh, business hours at the coffee shop. It would have been like a little loud and, you know, people would be interrupting it. I go, Mark, the interview is going to be taking place after hours. He goes, oh, oh, I can do the podcast in person then. And I just look at him and I'm like, I'm I'm going to have a stroke right now, like from like this back and forth of like, is it going to happen or not? So we're sitting there and at one point also it comes up. I tell him my mom is beyond jealous that I've met you so many times now. And she's going to be even more jealous seeing me seeing you again. He goes, uh, oh, she can meet me if she wants. I'm like, who are you? Like, why are you so nice? <laughs> like, cause I've never met, like I've met a lot of, you know, quote unquote celebrities and famous people over the years and it's like they're not really humble it's just like a one two three come on gone to the next person like leave me alone kind of thing but like he's very chill and laid back and so he goes yeah your mom can meet me and I'm like back in my mind I'm like I'm taking you up on this right now I am taking you up on this what ends up happening is he goes I'll contact my assistant and you know we'll figure this out so I think to myself yeah right like that's gonna happen I go back to work. I end up going on my phone when I'm in the bathroom, and I see an email from his assistant saying, good news, Peter. And my heart, like, skips a beat, and I'm like, it's going to happen. And I text Eddie, and I say, Eddie, it's back on. He goes, what? I'm like, yeah, the interview's back on. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yes, I am. He goes, well, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. And I'm like, I completely understand, but I'm one of those people with positivity if you will it to happen, if you wish for it to happen, it will happen, you know? So I keep like thinking, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, day of the interview, we have all of our equipment in the bag, everything set, including my Blu-ray copy of Thor Ragnarok. And I'm just waiting and waiting. Work is over. I walk towards the coffee shop and my mom shows up because I tell her it's going to be happening here at this time. Come on by. I want you to meet him. She goes, okay. It's me. Eddie, my mom, and our photographer, Patricio, slash my coworker at my job. And Patricio is like the one in charge of everything. He's going to be taking the photos, setting things up, and we're doing our thing. Well, it's around, I want to say, 6.30, Mark shows up. But before he does, we have two teams set up. One in front of the coffee shop, which is my mom and myself, and the back team by the, you know, because you never know, there's a parking lot right there. He could show up there for Eddie and Patricio. My mom and I are sitting in front of the cafe at the bench. And all of a sudden, you just hear this. I think I'm going to faint. And I go, what? And I see Mark walking by. I look at her and say to myself, you better not. <laughs> you better not faint. <laughs> so he walks up. My mom gets up. I get up. And he shakes my hand, shakes my mom's hand, and goes, you must be mom. You raised a beautiful boy. And he hugs her and kisses her. My mom kisses him back. And, you know, they're talking for a little bit. And one of the things about it that I loved is um, she's naming off his entire filmography at this point. She's like, I loved you in this. I loved you in The Brothers Bloom. And he goes, wow, nobody talks about that. Which, fast forward a little bit, you know, as we're getting ready to record, I say, dude, I loved you in Zodiac. And he's like, no one talks about that. I'm like, why wouldn't, why, why? That's a great movie. Talk about Zodiac. But... You know, so we're talking and she goes, and I loved you in this. I loved you in that. And she goes, and of course, I loved you in Avengers when you punched Thor. 
And he pantomimes punching an invisible Thor and he goes, you mean like this? And I'm like, why are you so wholesome? <laughs> like just watching that, it's like, it's so sweet, you know? So sitting talking and he goes, all right, I got to go do this interview. And he puts his hand out and goes, I'm Mark, by the way. And I look at him again and I'm just like, my mom recited your filmography. She knows who you are. <laughs> I had shared the story of meeting him at the Blondie concert on Reddit. And, you know, some Redditor remarked as all matter of factly, well, he, Mark was saying that because he's more than a prop for your photo op. And I'm like, no, homeboy is saying that because he's humble. Like, that was one of the nicest things I've ever seen somebody do. So we do the interview. We bang it out. Phenomenal interview. And, like, I'm super nervous. Like, it's I'm kind of, like, super shaky in some of my questions. But it's like at one moment. Uh, during the interview, Patricio remarked to me that I went all wide-eyed and had a big, goofy smile on my face. And I'm like, the reason I looked like that at that moment was because I was realizing you're in this moment. You're sitting there with an Academy Award-nominated actor, and you're interviewing him with one of your best friends, and you're in this moment right now. Embrace this. And I did. And like, that was the moment like that just that smile like came across my face and it's still something I will never forget to this day. That was like the interview that opened up a lot of doors because like right afterwards, you know, we're talking Eddie, <laughs> Eddie did something that I still will never forget that I still laugh about to this day. He brought a bunch of things for him to sign. And one of them was an Avengers poster in a, in a cardboard tube, but on the cardboard tube was an eBay sticker. And I look at Eddie and I go, you do realize it looks like you're going to be selling these, right? And Eddie goes, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, you have an eBay sticker on your tube, dude. He goes, oh, oh no. I'm like, yeah, I know you're keeping them, but it looked like you were going to be reselling those bad boys. He's like, oh no. <laughs> so we're, you know, we do the interview, interview wraps up, Eddie's, you know, getting his, uh, not eBay merch signed and we're just, you know, sitting there talking. I go, Mark, I got a question for you. This is, uh, would you do something for me, a kind of small favor? I go, we're applying for press for all of these different, you know, conventions. And I'm realizing, like, we applied for press for New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con is one of the biggest cons in the country and in the world. Like, New York Comic Con, over the course of four days, amasses more people to attend it than San Diego Comic Con. And that's saying something. Like, over 180,000 people over the course of four days. That's, it's, it's bonkers. So... I said to him, I got a question. We applied for this. Is there a possibility I could get a video letter of recommendation from you? And he goes, yeah, sure. So I go, he goes, how do you want to do this? So I go, well, you'll follow me. We'll figure this out. But just basically go, I endorse Peter Melnick and the Marvelists for press for New York Comic Con. He goes, gotcha. So I set up the video. We go, hi, New York Comic Con. I'm Peter Melnick of the Marvelists podcast. And I applied for press for New York Comic Con. Well, I thought I'd do a video letter of recommendation. You might know this guy. I turned the camera and he goes, Hi, I'm Mark Ruffalo, and I endorse Peter M M Melnick for press for... And then he goes, Avengers 4 in New York City. And I look at him, like, it's a live reaction of like, what the hell did you just say? <laughs> so... That plays a role as well, but I send the video to Read Pop New York Comic Con and they approved it. And I'm like, I'm holding on to this video for something else. 
we got to go attend the Avengers four Endgame uh, press screening, which is. Let me tell you, being able to see that movie before the entire world was really cool. And our audio engineer, John, he remarks, man, in our heads right now is the information for this movie that no one else knows. And people want to know this. I'm like, yep, we sure do. What a weird way to say it, John. But yes, we do. It was cool, though, because like getting to do that interview and just like the Roy Thomas interview, we sent this out to all these different news sites. We ended up getting coverage through um, The Hollywood Reporter. We got coverage, I, I think it was either The Hollywood Reporter or Variety. It was one of those big trade magazines. We got it like covered all over. And like if you type in The Marvelists and Mark Ruffalo, it shows up to the point where it was still showing up last year, which I still cannot believe. But we, you know, we learned things through the interview like, you know, one, he wanted to see his character interact, of course, with Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. I mean, if you're a comic book fan and a movie fan, you want to see that happen one day. But... We're talking about that. And the other thing, Eddie asked a couple things that led to him, you know, giving the revelation that this was recorded in August of 2018. Endgame wasn't being done, finished, uh, being finished filming. So, like, that movie was released in the end of April 2019. So they're still working on this movie up to, I want to say, maybe a month or two before it was released. So, like, that shows how a major Hollywood blockbuster is made in this day and age. And, you know, it was also during the time when Dave Bautista is going on saying, I'm going to leave this movie and go off and do my own thing because of how you guys treated James Gunn. But that's a that's a topic for another day for another kind of podcast. But, you know, all that happens and we get all this coverage and we we keep blowing up and it's really cool. So this interview is really what got you known and really grew your audience, which is awesome to hear. So now I want to know what the podcast has been like post Mark Ruffalo. From there, we actually got to do one of my favorite things that I've ever gotten to do, and that was the next summer, we got to record our podcast in the offices of the Marvel Publishing, of their comic division, and sit in the House of Ideas and do a show with uh, Ryan Panagos of This Week in Marvel. And again, I remember talking to the uh, owner of the comic shop in uh, Middletown, New York, and he remarked, oh, it's not that impressive. And I literally walk in that same day after we leave, uh, we come back from the city. I walk up to him. I go, Pete, you're a liar. It was amazing. <laughs> because going into that place and just seeing all that stuff, it, it's like kind of surreal because, it, you know, it goes, does a complete rewind back to my Oswego days. And I, when I was an Oswego student, I would always go every Wednesday. I was a Wednesday warrior and I would go to the comic shop. Uh, run by Arlene uh, Spitzman, who now it's now owned by Evan Coy and uh, Martin Kinney. And this was the shop that, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was a, an outcast. I didn't really do the things other kids would do, you know? So I was doing my own thing. And that was how I discovered comics. And, you know, becoming a fan of the art form and learning about these creators, learning about these stories, learning about all of this stuff. And... I have Oswego to thank for that. I have Oswego to thank for me discovering something that changed my life in oh so many different ways. And, you know, being able to, you know, see like the comic shop. And I was heartbroken when this was, I want to say 2019 or early 2020, right before everything happened with COVID. But what really like hearing that they were going to close the comic shop in Oswego 
Like, are you serious? Why are you going to do that? Don't do that. And then finding out, oh, thank God, Evan Coy is coming along. He's buying the com- the store from Arlene, and it's going to keep going. And I'm like, this is awesome. Because the comic book, you know, that I picked up that day, I picked up a copy of Kevin Smith's uh, Green Arrow. And I got to tell him this. Uh, I had money left over from my tuition for school books. And this, I don't know if this part will make it in the show. <laughs> but my money for tuition for school books was instead spent on comics that day at the comic shop and telling Kevin Smith that and his expression of hell yeah <laughs> that's like I'm so proud of that moment <laughs> but again I don't know if it will make it in the show final episode but I digress but the idea of like comics changed my life and comics help make me a better person in the sense of being more confident, going off and doing things and, you know, discovering new things in life. Again, I thank Oswego for that so much because I got to build friendships there. I got to build part of what made, you know, part of what I'm passionate about. And it's funny because it also ties back into that minor of being a creative writing minor. I recently took over the summer, uh, you know, because again, these times we live in, you got to, you know, you do online courses to better yourself, you know, because you can only do so much in the house without going crazy, you know. And one of the things was I ended up taking classes at the Kubert uh, School. Joe Kubert, a uh, legendary comic artist, ended up creating a school in Jersey. And like it's created a lot of fantastic students who would go on to do big things in the comic book industry. And, you know, being taught by Amy Chu, who works for DC and Marvel, you know, being able to learn these things and learning, building off of what I learned at Oswego with Brad Korpusmeyer's teachings. I'm trying to break into the field of comics now, you know, because I know so much about comics. If you listen to the Marvelists, you know, there's so much I talk about on there that, you know, we do our own thing, but I also want to be a creator. I want to be the person, you know, that gives somebody that ability of that comic book changed their life in the sense that, you know, now they found a purpose and, you know, something to do. Now, Peter, like I mentioned, there's a lot of students out there that want to make their own podcast or actually just looking for advice for their career that are Oswego students or any kind of student in general. So, so what would your advice be to them to be successful in their career? Go into life with no fear. The whole idea of if you want to do something, as long as it's not hurting anybody, if you want to do something, do your damnedest to just give it a shot. Because what's the worst that happens? You hear a no? Okay, cool. Then you go on to the next thing. Like, again, tying it into my love of pro wrestling, I always, I adore the uh, quote from the wrestling promoter Paul Heyman of, you have failure, you make a mistake, you mess up, you end up brushing those wounds off and learn from your past mistakes of that failure, and you realize, hey... I'm still going. It's that element of just trying because if you don't do it, what happens? Nothing happened because you didn't do anything. At least if you hear a decline, that's better than not doing anything because you don't want to live your whole life in fear of, oh, they're going to say no. They're going to say no. Who cares? They say no. You go to the next person. As a comic book fan, there are a lot of creators that I idolize they never got a yes on their first go. I mean, Stan Lee, you know, he married into the family, but good for Stan the man. But there's like a lot of people that they're going to take that chance. And if they hear a no, they shouldn't be dejected. Like, 
with my, you know, my comic script and everything, I ended up sending out my script with finished art to the co-creator of Deadpool, Fabian Nicieza. And one of my favorite things was I said, Fabian, give me your honest opinion about this and rip it apart if you have to. I can take it. And I did. And he was brutally honest. And I appreciated seeing that. When he gave me that critique, I didn't think to myself, oh, no, I'm never going to do this again because one bad review or one bad critique, I'm going to still do it. I'm going to still keep going forward and learning from those mistakes and better myself. Now, Peter, to wrap this up, I want to know what's the lesson you learned from everything you've experienced uh, from the beginning to even more specifically meeting Mark Ruffalo and doing the interview with him. What's been the lesson you learned from everything? Basically, like with the Ruffalo interview, like one of the biggest lessons I learned about it was you have to take chances. And again, when I walked up to him, you know, asking, hey, would you do the interview? I was prepared for him to say no. And I would have politely nodded and said, oh, that's fine. Thank you, though, you know, for giving me an answer, you know. But the most important things to learn as somebody, you know, going forward in life. And I learned this through, you know... Uh, through the wrestler Adam Pierce, his advice, life advice is work hard, treat people fairly, earn respect. And to be honest, like that's one of my biggest mantras in life and one of my biggest beliefs, because it is true. You work hard, you treat people fairly, you earn respect, you end up building a reputation. And that's the most important thing. The reputation you have in life will will help you out Oh, so much. And that's, again, the most important thing. Work hard. What we do on The Marvelous every week, we do our damnedest to entertain our fan base. And I'm very fortunate that, you know, there's a lot of people out there that listen to the show and are big fans of us, you know. And I've realized, like, in with podcasting, I've made some amazing friends that, you know, are listeners like my friend Joden, my friend, Jeremy, Jeremy is like one of the nicest, kindest people. And he will take the shirt off his back and give it to you. I imagine not during winter because it's freezing, but he will, you know, show a lot of heart and passion for what he believes in. And if you have like someone like him in your corner, you're set for life too, because he believes and will push you to keep moving forward, you know? And like I said, just the relationships you make in life and that element of just working hard and taking chances. Because again, I got to step foot in the Marvel offices. Like there are a lot of people that will never be able to say they got to do that. But I didn't get just get to step foot in there. I got to record my program with Eddie there. And it's it's still one of the coolest things to be able to say that I've gotten to do in my life. And I would not have been able to do that without taking those chances. And that is all the time we have for this episode of the Oswego Alumni Podcast. A special thank you to Peter Melnick, Class of 2013, for coming on as our guest for this episode. It's great to hear your stories and get to hear your advice for everybody. If you or someone you know would like to be interviewed on a future episode of the Oswego Alumni Podcast, please email us at alumni at oswego.edu. We'll be sure to get right back to you. Until next time, I'm Carl Neff, and I'll see you soon. The Oswego Alumni Podcast is brought to you by WNYO and the Oswego Alumni Association.